Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. Seeking the truth, exposing the lies. Remember, together, we are unstoppable. Keep on digging. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode. In this episode, I talk with my friend Bjorn from the Stereo app. You can find him at Bjorn Stereo on IG or on the Stereo app at Bjorn, B-E-O-R-N. We get into a number of topics. We talk about uh, term limits, blockchain voting, the Electoral College. We even get into prohibition, marijuana laws, and Biden pardoning only federal marijuana prisoners. Thanks for tuning in. Monsieur Bjorn. What's up, Dave? What's going on, man? Not much. Studying psychology. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'm a case study in abnormal psychology, so go go ahead. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, so am I, really. But no, I'm doing uh, child and adolescent <laughs> psychology right now. Oh, cool. But I did learn live in San Francisco for 20 years, so I've done quite a bit of uh, on-the-beat research as far as abnormal psychology goes. <laughs> So have you heard the latest? Well, I guess not latest, but yesterday Biden um, pledged to, to pardon all uh, marijuana convictions in federal prison. Yeah, dank Brandon. <laughs> dank Brandon. <laughs> but what do you what do you think? I'm, I'm calling it a half-assed measure. And the reason why is because marijuana is still classified schedule one with um, yep. such narcotics as heroin, LSD and crystal meth. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's just crazy to me, um, especially when it, the the classification is means no medical use. So there's there's states that have medical marijuana. There's studies that prove that it's been useful in certain examples. So that doesn't that nullify the class one, the schedule one classification right there. So I'm calling it a half measure. He's pardoning people, but he could do so much, so much more, but he won't. But I guess it is. A yeah, I don't know. Right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's like part of it is like, you know, the schedule, as you pointed out, is more of like political than it is, um, you know, science based. You know, clearly, like if you line up the toxins from most toxic to least toxic, you know, alcohol is going to be higher on the on that spectrum than marijuana clearly but oh, alcohol yeah. is not even scheduled and it's available to anyone who wants it and clearly right. that was because of you know prohibition and and all the stuff that happened with that like we tried to ban it but it didn't work out got a message from senior lobo what's up senior lobo he's doing this because he knew i want to legalize marijuana for everybody and pardon all the convictions this is his way of stealing my thunder you know i feel some type of way about this yeah, I'm calling it a half measure because he could decriminalize marijuana. He could change the scheduling. It's scheduled as a, um, it's classified as a Schedule One narcotic with heroin and crystal meth. And the definition of a Schedule One narcotic is that there is no medicinal use. So he could do that, but he's not. He's just pardoning people from from federal prison, not even all jails, right? Because the states have you know, jurisdiction over those. And most marijuana prosecutions are on the state level, not federal. So he really isn't doing shit 
It's just a political ploy to make him look like he's doing something. I think we're kind of just in the midst of like the prohibition overturning for marijuana as well. And I think we're just in that transition period. And like, you know, I think, you know, part of the thing is with politicians is they're, you know, constantly trying to make moves that aren't going to, that's going to help them with certain demographics, but not piss off another aspect. And so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like clearly like, like, you know, I think a lot of people like know these things, but they try to walk that political tightrope so that they can be reelected. That was very eloquently put. I mean, ultimately, politics is a balancing act on a tight wire, right? Um, You know, trying to trying to satisfy all of your constituents and even those on the both extreme sides of who's supporting you. Um, Right. And, you know, I guess that's really brings up the argument for for uh, term limits, too. Right. Because the more people are compromising to please the majority the less they're going to do anything really anything of substance right yeah yeah absolutely i think also um to throw something into the mix i'm a big fan of ranked choice voting um because right now we have this two-party dichotomy and so our only real choices is if like to vote for one or the other because if there's someone maybe on the fringe you maybe agree with more you um, always feel like you are potentially helping out the person on the other side that you really don't like. So you end up not voting for the person you actually like more than maybe the mainstream candidate because you're worried that the other guy who's really bad is going to get in. So like, it's like that constant struggle. But if we have right. ranked choice voting, you could vote your heart's content. And if that person didn't get enough votes, then it would then go to your second choice. And so it wouldn't necessarily be wasting a vote, but then it would also give those um, other kind of outside of the two-party system a potential chance to win. So I think that's I think that's one of the keys to break the stranglehold of the two-party system. I agree, and I, as far as I know, some European countries that do that that have ranked choice voting. If you come in third, fourth, or fifth, you'll still get a position in government. You just won't be president or vice president. Well, that's how America used to be. It's like number one came in as president and number two came in as vice president. Um, but then we changed that system eventually. But that's how it used to work here, too. That would, it makes, it does, I don't know. It just makes so much more sense. It would be so much more inclusionary. Um. I don't know. What do you feel about the Electoral College? I'm for completely, I'm for popular vote, ban the Electoral College, let the people pick. The states aren't equal. Yeah, Yeah, I think I'm generally for that, you know. I mean, I think the the bonus of Electoral College is that, you know, candidates go places that are not population centers. So, you know, places like Iowa and Vermont, um, you know, those places, New Hampshire, excuse me, Iowa, New Hampshire, et cetera, like, especially the early places that like, there's really no reason for politicians to go and care about Iowa. If the system right. is like go to population centers, they're going to go to New York, California, uh, and wherever the population centers, and they do not going to waste a dime on Iowa. And so like, I understand the impetus behind it. But you know, we've got to the point where, where you know, Iowa and New, New Hampshire, like hold the stranglehold on this. And it's like, do the rural values of Iowa 
really represent the greater United States and why does Iowa and New Hampshire have that power? As a former Iowa resident, I really enjoyed it because it was great, like A, having that power and then B, like being able just to like schmooze with all the candidates early on at the Iowa fair and like, you know, have hot dog eating contests with each other or whatever. So that was fun. But like from like, from like a bigger scale, um, yeah, I don't really think it's fair. And I think we also like, you know, have the technology to make uh, like just popular choice voting work. And I think we have ways of making it, you know, uh, protected and like verifiable and other things like that. So I think that we have ways that we can do it. I mean, if the, the IRS can find you because you like misplaced a penny, like we can figure out how to like make, make sure your vote is like, you know, cast securely. Absolutely. I've heard arguments uh, for blockchain technology that say that mm. would that technology would enable that, because if it's if it's uh, in-depth and traceable and trackable enough to, to do currency with. Then we could vote with it. Right. If it's secure enough to hold a currency and transparent enough, but not only transparent, but you can't mess with it. Right. There's a there's a, a trail. Yeah that shows in of any changes that have been made. I'm not, I'm not a techie. Um, but yeah. the way I understand it is that there's a paper trail. So if somebody hacks the system, you will see that. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So given that, shouldn't we just, I mean, given that it seems to me that we could pretty much eliminate half a Congress out the gates. The Senate mm -hmm. might not matter anymore. I don't know why we would need the Senate. Maybe we just keep one representative per state. I don't even know. But what do you think? I mean, imagine the money we would save if we got rid of at least half of Congress. <laughs> yeah, I think that, again, goes back to, like, you know, the compromises between the House and the Senate. And I think that those are going to be pretty hard to, like, flip, you know. And while, like, yeah. Wyoming and South Dakota have way too much power, you know, in the Senate compared to California, you know, there's this like interesting balance of the House and the Senate. So I don't know, it's interesting. I don't know if like people are going to like be able to like get rid of that just like from like a tradition standpoint. And I think that's fine. I think they can, you know, readjust, like, you know, continually to readjust the House um, numbers and everything like that. They're always doing that. But I think the the interesting thing that would happen if we could just sit in our home and like, you know, just like on a random like Facebook page vote and make it count, like think of how many more people would vote. Like if you didn't have to right. like go stand in line and do this weird register thing and all this stuff, if you could just like, like, oh, it's time to vote and you get like a, a blip on your text or like a little thing in your, your email inbox or something where you just go to this website and you click your vote. And it goes for it like that moves much more to like a democratic system. And if we're really trying to like be a, a republic or a representative democracy, then the more we move towards um, institutions that democratize us, that like also breaks the oligarchical powers. Because right now, like, you know, what are like the, you know, the big people afraid of? They're afraid of not being reelected. And if they can kind of like stifle democracy a little bit and kind of like do some hand waving 
and get enough people to vote for them, then they can kind of still then go do their shady stuff. But if like the majority of people who can like see through that stuff, hopefully vote, vote them out. And there's like more like groundswell sort of like democracy. then it's harder for like special interests to come in and kind of like, um, you know, you know, trick, um, you know, the, the people at the bottom, um, that like this, this politician is awesome and they're doing great things for you. I don't know. Yeah, I completely agree. I've, I've, I've heard, I don't know if there's any proof to the, to the effect, but I've heard many people pontificate on the fact that, um, on the idea that that's why Democrats didn't codify uh, Roe v. Wade is because they were holding that mm. out there of, well, you know, if you don't vote for us, you're going to get the yeah. Republicans and they're going to overturn this. Um, yeah. Being one example yeah. of what you kind of mentioned. And then another idea is with the back to the blockchain technology, like Congress, it made sense to have representatives when we were back in horse and buggy days. And we needed to send them <laughs> yeah. all the way across the country with our message, right? Here's what the pub people yeah. want. Now you go tell the Senate. But now, like you said, if we could all just go onto a secure spot, you got two weeks, you can vote. Imagine we could vote on everything. So there wouldn't be this shady shit that, that Congress rushes through it, you know, it, it after midnight on, on Thanksgiving Eve. You know, there wouldn't be that shiesty kind of stuff going on. We could literally vote on every measure. Yeah, so you're talking about going from a representative democracy to going to like a direct democracy. Well, I, I agree with what you said, that tradition dies hard and slow. So we would have to keep keep it in some way, shape or form or wean it out very slowly over decades. Yeah. But we could move initially right to that. You know, everybody can vote on every every. Uh, ballot measure right um yeah. not to, not just ballot measures but um what do you call it when uh when the con when congress is something yes we, we oh. could vote on referendums even yeah well right. and i yeah, think I that, think you, that know, would, you know i feel like that's happening a little bit i don't know about like all the states but like i know that there are you know a lot of the states have these things where these mechanisms so that the people can bring forth bills and vote on it you know in oregon we have done that a lot. And like, that's how we got, you know, this latest referendum bill was the psilocybin where we basically said, Hey, we're saying shrooms can be used um, for medical purposes. Um, and they put it up as a referendum and voted on it and it passed. And so within the bill, you know, this government has two years basically to figure it out on how like they're going to regulate it. But like the people brought that forth and voted on it and it passed. And so it's happening. And so I think that there, there we go. You know, there are mechanisms that we can we can, um, like you said, kind of like implement where even if we're not having like a straight, straight up like Grecian direct democracy sort of situation, we can maybe blend it a little bit more than we currently are. Yeah, we could be headed in that direction, at least have that as a goal. Yeah. But it seems like we're going yeah. away from that. And, you know, mm. towards towards oligarchs and corporate corporatocracy, you know, towards a, yeah. a corporatocracy, which is fascism. Right. When mm -hmm. corporations control everything and then the government enforces that. Well, I feel like there's like almost a concerted effort to, like, make people apathetic about voting, you know, and maybe that's oh, just yeah. um, me, 
me, um, you know, wondering about things. But it's like, I think that there is, you know, it, it, it behooves um, definitely some people and some powers for less people to be involved in voting, especially certain like, you know, classes or demographics or whatever. Um, you know, voter suppression is definitely a thing and it's harder yeah. to do voter suppression if voting is easier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the first thing that came to mind that when you said, you know, if everybody could go to a Facebook type page and vote, first thing that came to mind is, oh, black people wouldn't be getting intimidated away from the polls because you got police standing outside the voting polls. Um, right. There wouldn't be a mandate that you have to have your driver's license, you know, checked by a policeman, which, you know, if you have any kind of warrant that has nothing to do with voting, then you're not going to want to show up at the polls. Right. It should just be about voting. Um, I've never been asked for my driver's license. I'm 55 and I've voted every year. I've never been asked for my driver's license. They mail the shit to my house. I show up with it and they go, I, you know, I'm like, hey, what's your name? Dave Smith. And I'm Dave Smith. And they've still never asked me for my fucking license. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. so it's complete profiling and intimidation that, you know, black people get asked for their for their ID and all this kind of crap. And it's just what you said, you know, uh, because certain power, certain powers that be benefit more um, if they can reduce the amount of people voting. Right. And I think that's the drug war in a nutshell as well to circle back unintentionally to circles. It circles back to the to the drug classification. Um, I think that is the original. Or the ultimate uh goal of the of the drug laws and drug war yeah. is to uh, remove people from being able to vote and i don't see how this happens right like i grew up with this show beretta don't do the crime don't do the crime if you can't do the time don't do it but if you do the time for the crime you should have a clean slate right mm -hmm. like you know i did whatever i did my 10 years now i'm back to a regular citizen again Granted, you should have a check on your on your record. So if you do that shit, you know, if you do a violent crime, then that's, diff, you know, different. But you should still be able to vote. Maybe you can't have a gun, but you should still be able to vote. Um, yeah. I just think that's crazy. And so to me, it's so transparent that that's a method of removing people from the voter rolls. And then if you think about the war on drugs, where it was kind of initiated by Nixon, they actually decided to drop uh, heroin in the inner cities so they could mm -hmm. bust black people for that and marijuana in the suburbs so they could bust hippie white kids for that. And then if they got them with a felony, you can't ever vote again. Yeah. It's crazy. No, totally. Totally. Um, I, didn't, yeah, and I, think... I didn't know any of this until a friend was telling me he got busted with, I think, 12 plants before it was legalized and he got a felony. And, wow. Uh, He's like, I can never vote again. I had no idea until he told me that. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if you've read the the book Rise of the Warrior Cop. No. It's an interesting Sounds book, like and I would recommend it. it. And it basically like goes through like you know the creation of police in America and how how that happened historically and from like from where where it started to where we are today. And, you know, a big, um, you know, discussion in the book is like how drug crimes um, became like 
the reason to like use SWAT teams. And, you know, initially like, like, you know, their SWAT teams were created for like, you know, like when, you know, criminals came in with big powered guns and like the cops were prepared to, to take them on, you know, there was like a, a famous like shooting that happened in Los Angeles, I believe, or something where this guy like went nuts with like a, a high powered rifle and the police were under underpowered. So then they started like doing SWAT teams and other things. But then, you know, so, you know, with the SWAT team, you know, cops like having cool toys and like bigger guns. And then, you know, these cool, like, you know, shields and all this other stuff and kind of like moving towards militarization of the police. But then when you've got all these people and you're training to do SWATs, then, and there aren't like a bunch of like people coming in, like with, with, you know, firearms to like shoot everybody all the time. Then they're like, well, what should we do with the SWAT team? And they started using them on drug raids and they would specifically like do these drug raids you know, which are like really dangerous to do because they often would do like no knock raids in the middle of the night. And you just, if you're like the person, you just, you just, they don't even knock. They just bust in the door and start coming in at you. Um, and it's like very, very kind of wild, even though they could easily like saw the person leave the house for work or go to go, to go get, you know, groceries and they can just pick them up. But instead they do these kind of like big things to kind of justify their toys. And that's, another reason that like the drug then they paired that sort of like militarization with the the war on drugs so it's kind of an interesting kind of take on it from like uh it was written by a police officer i'd recommend rise yeah, of the no, crop. yeah i want to check that out um sounds like a fantastic book right up my alley and i agree with you i think it's a, a justification for the boys to use their toys right and um i'm all for d you know defunding and what I mean by that is is redistributing the funds and probably actually paying more, but for different things, right? So I don't think we need a bunch of thugs with guns. I think we need SWAT, yeah. right? We need SWAT for yeah. sure. Because, you know, if there's a bank robbery, if there's a hostage situation, if there's a mass shooter, we want to be able to call the big strong guys with the bulletproof vests and sharpshooters yeah. and all this, right? Um but you don't want them, you don't want that style for a, for a regular traffic stop. You don't want that style responding to a domestic dispute. You know, like, I think we need way more socialist, uh, social workers than we do armed, big, strong guys. Um, you know, maybe we need a few regular cops besides SWAT, but, but I don't think every time somebody's pulled over, it should be a big, strong guy with a gun that's potentially doing steroids and, you know, is all, (laughs) you know, is all militarized out. Um, I think we need to really get back to like the 1950s beat cop, you know, walking down the street. Hey, how you doing, Bob? Good. How are you, John? Okay, great. See you tomorrow. You know, somebody that knows the, knows the neighborhood. You can't, you can't get to know anybody driving by at 30 miles an hour. Community policing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. A member of the and I'm also speaking of that. I also believe that you should have to be a member of the community that you police in. Like um, apparently the town I grew up in is home to the most San Francisco police officers. So they live Mm. in a fairly redneck, sleepy little suburban bedroom town. And then they go into the big city to go crack skulls. I mean, what could go wrong? Right. 
it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Other, those other people in the city, right? They're not your neighbors. Right. Those aren't the people down the street. I mean, it's interesting you talk about the beat cop and like your communities because in that book, they also talk about how that's basically how it started. Is like they just kind of divided it up and said, hey, you're kind of like in charge of this area. Just make sure like crime is not happening. And it was actually a fairly corrupt system, but that's basically what it was. It was like they kind of appointed like you're going to be the constable for this area you just walk around and make sure your people are okay and that was like that person who lived on that block and they would just walk around and be like hey johnny i see you like you know i know you i know your mother like you know yeah. chill out bro yeah. go tell your mother like this literally like your mama wouldn't want you playing like... nice in the back alley johnny <laughs> knock it off <laughs> exactly so it's kind of a interesting thing uh another thing to like you know continue to like uh throw uh, Portland into the, uh, you know, the mix, uh, we actually have here, um, and, uh, the, a non-police call. So like if you call 911 and there is like a mental health crisis, so there's like maybe someone without a house who's like, like hallucinating and kind of like walking through the streets or something, um, mm -hmm. they will determine whether or not to send a police unit or to send, uh, this other unit. And the other unit consists of usually like a psychologist and a social worker and some other people who are like trained in how to talk to folks who are having mental health crises. Um, and they are actually have been shown to like really reduce like, you know, unnecessary violence. Cause you know, if you are in the midst of a crisis and you're hallucinating and some guy shows up, who's like in a uniform that can sometimes trigger people and then people get kind of angry and get hostile. And the police officer who is probably not super equipped always to deal with someone in a mental health crisis, especially if that person starts coming towards them, which they interpret as aggressive, then they're going to then respond with like violence um, against that person. When potentially if that person would have been approached differently uh, with different folks, then that person could have been talked down and like been treated um, and so like, this is a, a thing that's been going on and started in Eugene, which is more liberal than Portland. Um, and they've been doing this for years and it's brought, been brought to Portland the next last few years and been going great. And they're expanding the program and it's really cool because I support that. I mean, who does, who wouldn't support that? Yeah, exactly. Um, and for a couple of reasons, right? Like you want somebody that's trained in de-escalation de-escalating mm -hmm. the threat instead of your average armed cop is to is they're trained to eliminate the threat yeah right yeah and then i don't know when it happened but somewhere it happened where the number one priority for police was became to get home safe at night and it didn't used to be like that it used to be shoot after you're shot at don't shoot first because you need to make it home safely no you signed up for this job and it's not safe but you're putting your life on the line to protect us. Um, there was a case here locally where this kid was having a mental health episode. He was having a full meltdown. And uh, I think it was a nine-year-old that pulled a knife on his 12-year-old brother and had the knife to his 12-year-old brother's throat. The parents had no idea what to do. The, their talking wasn't working. And they were really scared. So they called the police. The police showed up and shot their nine-year-old son right in front of them. Killed him. Wow. Wow. So case in point, if you'd have had a social worker, a, a therapist there, 
there could have been, you know, and, and like I said, you could, you always have the option to call for that armed backup, but let's just not have those be the first guys to show up, you know? Um, and, and with a nine-year-old kid with a knife, like, I mean, I'm not a fighter or anything, but I pretty much feel confident that I could have tackled him and taken the knife from him without killing him, you know? Yeah. I've watched some, uh, videos from like England and seeing how their cops deal with people with knives is way different than like how, how it works in America. Like I watched this video where like this guy had a knife and these two, you know, police officers show up, but they don't have guns and they're just like, Hey dude, throw down the knife, whatever. And the guy's like kind of wild and they just go and they just grab him and like take the, take the knife away. I'm like, yeah. that dude would have been shot in a second in America. Like, you have a knife oh, yeah. and you took, like, you flinched at me, you're done. You know? 24 times they'd have been shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, somebody goes for their wallet in their own doorway and they get shot 60 times. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. A um, kid playing with a BB gun. Oh, there's, a, there's another one that happened here. Um, Amir Rice. I forget. I forget. No, another one. It happened right here. Um, I think it was Anthony Garcia or something. 13-year-old mm-hmm. kid walking down the street with a pellet gun. And a uh, cop pulled up, just shouting at him before the kid could do anything. He was shot seven times. Wow. It might have even been a fake, one of those fake guns with an orange tip on it. Wow. But either way, it was nothing more than a BB gun or a pellet gun, and the kid had never hurt anybody. Um, but somebody freaked out when they saw him walking down the street and called the cops, and the cops totally overreacted. I mean, I did so many dumb things with my BB gun back in the day. Like, uh, like it was, it would not have been good in what I was doing with my BB gun, like in today's world. <laughs> but um, I saw this thing in Japan. They have, you can even buy them over the counter as a citizen, net guns. So imagine that. Imagine if the cops had a net gun that just tangled you up in a big old fishing net. (laughs) And and then maybe, and maybe a dot, a blue dye went off, right? Like with a bank robber, like with how they have the money, they have the money with a charge Mm -hmm. in it. So imagine a net gun that would also stain you blue. There he is right there, tangled up in a ball, and he's all blue, right? Nobody gets killed. Yeah. So there's so many ways, that, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. I'm a firm believer in that. So, But there's no political will for what we're talking about for some reason. Yeah. But thank God it's happening in, in Oregon. I love Eugene, by the way. Um, have you ever been to the uh, Oregon Country Fair in Eugene? Uh, no, I've not been to the fair, Eugene into the us some other local fears it is it it's it's like a little mini mini burning man like a kinder gentler burning man (laughs) cool yeah i've seen some uh interesting like i don't know what you call them hippie raves in the forest like video from them i'm like whoa that looks very like oregon to me um but i have not (laughs) uh done that sort of thing maybe in my younger days but i'm like an old an old dad these days. And as the other, uh, you know, folks in the commentary table make fun of me is that I am a weird Oregonian who doesn't use drugs. <laughs> so they're yeah, like, no, why'd you move to Portland and you don't smoke weeds? I'm like, I don't know. I like the beer and the food. 
and the trees yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, the ocean. I'm here for other things. There you go. Yeah, now the country fair is like a, it's an all ages uh, music festival, ultimately. Yeah. So there's great cool. music. And then the big parties happen after, you know, in the, in the yeah. campgrounds and stuff like that. Yeah. So you wouldn't have to partake, but I highly recommend checking it out. You got stilt walkers oh. and jugglers and amazing so music. Cool, yeah. yeah. It's just a bunch of like-minded people, really, you know, a bunch of people that want to change the world and they're all in one place for, for a weekend. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, are you interested in popping those bubbles? Oh, yeah, sure. I'll hit one. What do we got? We got Olive. How you doing, Olive? Yeah, I actually uh, recently heard about how it didn't it didn't used to be um, like the, the mantra wasn't get home safe um, up until more recently. But I was just thinking, like, what if we told firemen to have that same mentality like they willingly became police officers and signed up for a job where it's very clear that they are going to be facing it's not like a maybe they are definitely going to be facing life and death situations and by signing up for the job like you've accepted that i fully agree and what a great analogy to throw firemen in there do we want yeah. firemen second guessing like yeah I'm going to let this one burn out because, you know, just had a new baby. I got a two-year-old and a baby at home. We don't want them thinking like that. We want them rushing in, putting their life on the line, getting the fire out. And we want the same thing from police. We want, you know, they signed up for this job where it's not a maybe. You are facing the, you know, the fringe of society. You're facing, uh, you know, criminals. That's That's your job on the daily right like you should be ready for that it's not an if but but we've entered this weird era where it's almost like regular all society is questioned right we're all suspected of having done something like we've entered this weird era of you know hiding to get you for you know hiding in the shadows to get you for blowing a, doing a California stop or whatever, where it, you know, undercover police cars, like we don't want undercover police cars. We want them highly visible so that I can flag you down. If I need help, I don't want you hiding in the shadows, trying to catch me doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great message. Olive. She's got another one. We got another message from Olive right here. There's also this other thing about American police in particular that I've noticed, like in any video where it's like uh, they're showing what happened through either like body cam or somebody was filming the incident and it was like a difficult thing to sort of handle, um, like somebody with a knife or with a gun, whatever. They look absolutely petrified and in telling them to like, like put the gun down or whatever, like you could hear that they're fearing for them for their lives. Um, yeah. like you don't see that in soldiers, let's say like, there's a certain amount of like calmness that they approach even the most dire situation with. Like, it's just, it's part of professionalism in those kinds of, and just like, I feel like it's more effective in dealing with heightened situations. Yeah. I think the way, they train, think Sorry, the way they train police officers these days is like to show them these like 
once in a million videos where a police officer rolls up to a car and is like, hey, how's it going? And they get blasted. And they just play those videos over and over and over again. And all it doesn't, it's not really training. It's more like saying, hey, this is a possibility. So you need to approach every single person like like them twitching or doing something weird. It means that they're about to pull a gun and shoot you. So you need to be like quick drama McGraw. And if someone twitches in a weird way, you need to like blast them before they blast you. And that kind of like mentality, if you're approaching like, you know, citizens who did nonviolent things, but you're worried that they, you know, might be have, have a gun. And so you're like, have your hair trigger ready to go. It just leads to like so many problems and so many like bad situations and, and unneed, unneeded deaths. Yeah, absolutely. Escalating instead of de-escalating. Um, and I also like what she said about training, right? Like um, a friend of mine, Scott, was in the Navy and when it was that Uvalde thing in Mech- in uh, in Texas where the cops just stood by doing nothing and then the footage came yeah. out of them cowering in the hallways he's like he yeah. he was furious because he was he said in the navy he was trained to run towards gunfire right when you hear gunfire yeah. you run towards it um because you know somebody needs help something's going down um so yeah, I think cops need way more training, way more screening. I mean, they get paid pretty well, right? Where I'm at, yeah. they start at like 90 grand a year. Um, wow. Yeah, they're, they're, well, they're not and, hurting. Yeah, I mean, I think that the other thing that was when I first heard it was initially surprising to me is that there is no... Um, guarantee there is no law there is no policy there is no edict or ethic that says police have to put themselves in harm's way to protect you we always think of police as protecting and serving but the supreme court has ruled that if a cop sees a situation where they could get hurt but by going in to try to like protect someone else they are not required to do that so whereas i think most people would would think that like hey, there's this cop and there's this, like, mom that's, like, about to be shot. They have no, um, they're not required to go in and, like, put themselves in harm's way to protect members of the public. They're only there to um, deal with the after effects of the crime or, like you said, to put people down. Um, they are not required to protect you. And that, to me, is, is I, I learned that after the Uvalde thing. And that blew my mind. Because it seems so counter to what what would be best for society, right? And what that tells me is that they're really to protect property, not people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right? Because, I mean, you show up afterwards, you get fingerprints, boom, you've tried to find the guy who broke into the store or the bank robber or whatever. But you're not, your goal, you're, you're not about, like, stopping an active shooter. Like, that... That blows my mind. Yeah, for freaking children. Yeah, I mean, just thinking that whole thing just gets me so hot. I mean, just sitting there and listening to them continuing to just execute children. And they're just literally dozens and dozens of, like, armed and and armored police officers in the hallway just listening to kids get murdered. And they're just standing there like, ugh, makes me so mad. Yeah, that was hard. Exactly. And like you said, armed and armored, 
right? I mean, it looked like uh, looked like people that were ready for a battlefield, and uh, and they weren't engaging. And then the, one of the most frustrating things is they were telling parents, "Get back, get back!" Like if you're not going to charge, by all means, let the parents charge if they choose to. Because, you know, what, what, you think you're going to be held liable for a lawsuit because a parent tried to save their child's life? I'm yeah. sorry, that, you know, well, in what world is that a priority to protect you from a lawsuit over protect letting the parent go get their kid? And then one woman did. Like, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, one woman scooted past him somehow, around the back, whatever, jumped over a fence, ran in there and saved her two kids' lives. Yep, yep, and... That was and and her going in there was what 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 spurred them to start evacuating some of the rooms. They weren't even evacuating until that mom ran in. Other wow. other parents, they were like, I heard that like there was one dad who they tased because he was like, no, I'm going in to get my kid, and they held him back, you know, tackled him, tased him, for so that he couldn't like go in and like save his kid. Like that's the level wow. of, of their thinking. I don't know. That wow. might have been like fog of war. Please you know, fact check me on that. But that was one of the things as it was unfolding that that was one of the stories that came out. That is so incomprehensibly brutal. Like, I mean, put yourself in that situation. I don't even have kids, but I know you wouldn't be able to physically stop me unless you did something like that. And why would you try? Yeah, right. And if, you know, if I got tased by a cop and put down because I was trying to go save my kid and then later my kid got killed because nobody saved him, I would have a vendetta. So sad. Right? So sad. We got another message from Olive right here. Like a hostage negotiator, for example. They're dealing with, like, really high-stress situations. Sometimes people are being held hostage, or always if they're a hostage negotiator. Um, But they're not, like, out here quivering, like, uh, screaming at the person. Yeah, it's a good point. Some good messages right there. What do you think, Bjorn? Oh, um, yeah, I'm making myself some ice cream. Oh, fantastic. I'm eating a late night salad. Ice cream. Hey, there you go. You're eating salad? Yep. Um, <laughs> well, you're a, you're a healthier person than me. Apparently, no, I wouldn't say that. I had a double cheeseburger for dinner. <laughs> I really enjoy your messages, uh, Olive. Those are some great, well thought and thought provoking comments. Appreciate that. I, th- I think we all agree. You know, we do, we need change. What you know, the current system's not working. It's uh, it's not set up for the greatest good for the for the greatest amount of people. Um, yeah. You know, and and uh, material possessions and and retail outlets; those places are insured, right? So, uh, you know, that's not where I want the focus to be on my tax dollars, right? Well, I'm sure that's going to be a long and arduous change. But it's interesting when even when you bring up this this conversation, right? soon as you say defund, people are like, oh, so you don't think we need cops, huh? It's like, whoa, 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 slow your roll there. I never said that. Of course yeah. we need cops, or, or society would slip into anarchy, like, really quick. Um, 
but the way we're doing it could use a lot of improvement. Yeah. I think that's again, just like politics, like people get a, you know, I mean, part of the thing is like in order to like get a movement going or to like quickly talk about something, you have almost have to like memify your, your movement into something that's like encapsulates what you're talking about. And that has to like, you know, get people excited or motivate people or get people moving. Um, but the problem about like memifying something is it doesn't encapsulate the full thing. And so you can say things like black lives matter, and then people will take that short phrase and try to like take it in a different direction that it didn't even like need to go into. And then you like say, well, are you saying that like white lives don't matter because you, you have this phrase like, no, that's not what we're saying. Um, or like defund the police. It's like that, you know, no one, well, there are some that say like, you should like completely eradicate the police, but most people who are saying defund the police, um, are actually saying like, let's re, uh, redistribute the funds in more, in a, in a more sensible manner. Yeah. But that's, a, that's not a very good catch yeah, exactly. And like I said, it would probably actually lead to spending more on policing, but the money would be better spent. Right. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I don't know if we should have. Well, I'm, I have mixed feelings on this because I talked with a veteran. I said I was I was saying to a veteran that I think uh, veterans should be banned from joining the police department. But then he was he mentioned all these things like, well, we have this amazing training. We're trained to run towards gunfire. We're, you know, we're trained to restrain. They're, we're, they're trained in restraint. Um, yeah. So I think that would probably be better than than the hopped up on steroids. You know, the guy that got bullied in high school. Yeah. You know? But I don't know. It's a tough one. I think more psychological testing, ultimately, you know. <laughs> right. Pretty tough. Yeah, you I mean, shouldn't... I saw... I saw this one police video where this police officer... There was some, like, gunfire going off, and he had a complete panic attack in the middle of it. And his, he was, like, blasting, like, like, rampant. Like, there was, like, houses and everything, and he couldn't really see where the shooter was or the person that he was chasing, he was just like randomly blasting towards all these houses and everything. And he's having a panic attack and it was bad. Like, like dude was having a complete mental breakdown. And like you said, like some, or, or, or all have said, like you can hear the fear in these people's, the police officers voices. And they're, they're just taught to be so afraid of the public that they're, you know, very insular. And, and it's just a scary thing to think that they are, way more well maybe not way more afraid of us than we are of them but they are very afraid of the public yeah of your average public because like what you said you know seeing that how many you know like what's the percentage of a, of a cop that pulls somebody over and gets shot it's got to be less than one percent i would think way lower than that yeah 0.05 percent probably um but so to show that video repeatedly is is like an indoctrination into like the public is your enemy. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't agree with you more that that that's bad. Um, yeah, need a lot of work.
Got a couple messages. Who's this? Hey, what's going on, Spawn? Welcome. Olive again. Yeah, with the whole, like, taking a social movement's catchphrase and um, sort of painting those who say it as, like, an extreme. So, like, believing that people who say defund the police actually want the police force to have zero funding um, rather than see, like, the sort of message behind it. It's because there's no nuance nowadays that's thanks to social media. It really, like everything's a headline, everything's a quip, everything's under a certain amount of characters. And it's not just that, like, it's not available. It also seems that nobody's even seeking it. Um, like, people just judge others quickly based on, like, certain buzzwords that they see. And, um, yeah, it's also contributing to, like, how polarized everything's been the last couple of years. Yeah, I think there's a combination of things going on, right? Like the memification of everything, like you said, and then the short attention span. Those two things merging, not so great. What were we talking about? Um, just I'm about kidding. people. Sorry. About. <laughs> <I was kidding. laughs> oh, you got me. That was good. To shave yarn. Got another message from Olive. It's also just easier to go through life that way. Um, to make quick judgments about others, not look into the intentions of their actions, um, or delving into something past a headline or a catchphrase. It's easier to also paint them as the enemy um, when you see them that way. Um, it's just a way of seeing the world in black and white. It's easier, but it costs, like the cost is so great societally and even on an individual level, um, but more so as a society, I think. Yeah, it's a good point. Like the news, for example, right? Like crime, well, recently, since we, people have been getting squeezed so hard, crime's going up a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't know, from like, the 70s to like you know semi-recently crime has steadily been going down but if you turn on the news you would have no idea of that right because they just hype up that kind of shit Thank you for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm throwing down, please do share with friends and on social media. Until next time, keep on digging for the truth.